Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, welcome to Friday afternoon here on Ausbiz. It's great to have you company live from our Brangaroo studios. We kick off the PM as we usually do with the call. Ten stocks picked by you. Uh, I put them to two experts for their opinion. It is Friday the 10th of June. What a panel we have today to finish off the week. Always fun, these two blokes. Uh, Claude Walker from A Rich Life and Luke Winchester from Merriweather Capital. Uh, afternoon, chaps. Uh, how's the week been turning out for you? Claude, a good week? Uh, not the best week. I'm sort of struggling with, the, I guess, the start of long COVID, the end of actual COVID now. So it's uh, been a bit of a bit of a tiresome oh. week, but uh, st- still feeling positive uh, about the weekend. Okay. All right. Good long weekend coming up. Like, uh, Luke, how are you faring? Have you had COVID yet? I am did, I, yeah. Am I allowed to ask yeah. that? Um, maybe yeah, not. no, like a lot of people, um, <laughs> you know, when, when um, wedding season kicked back off, um, ah, I, I, you right, know, yes. me, me and a bunch of others. That's uh, exactly how I got it as well. Yeah, oh. I saw. I saw. So yeah. um, no, I've been through it. Luckily, I haven't had too much of the of the lingering um, stuff, which is nice. It's just markets, Cosy, that are uh, you know. <laughs> I'm struggling with it at the minute. <laughs> oh, talk about long COVID. It is long uh, angst, if you like, in right. terms of the markets. Look, in, instead of stock of the day today, um, uh, that I choose, because everyone, as you pointed out, Luke, everyone's so doom and gloom at the moment. It's uh, uh, For once in a while, we have a sunny day uh, here in Sydney. So I thought we'd do um, uh, sunny day stocks from you two. Stocks that you find really positive in the market at the moment. Uh, Luke, let's kick off with you. Yeah, well, look, I, I've gone a little bit outside of my um, normal range, Koshi. Uh, the furthest I could go, actually, I, I've picked CSL. And, um, hang on, whoa, reason- whoa, whoa. Hang on, Luke, <laughs> when just, let me just check the audio. Did you say CSL? I, I did. Normally, I'd say 100, um, you know, 130 mil market cap, but I think this one's 130 billion. Billion, so. yes. You're billion a micro man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, let me explain why. Um, you know, we are in a market that's that's so volatile, and there's so many moving factors to it. Um, you can definitely make the argument for for wanting to look at defensive stocks, and, and I don't think they get any more defensive than than something like a CSL due to its size, due to its industry. And I think more importantly, I saw them do something very interesting the other week, which I I think you'll see a lot of other um, larger blue chip um, businesses do, which is really use their balance sheet to their advantage. So CSL came out and and took on some new new debt. 
refinanced and really extended the life of that debt. Now, um, you know, in a normal environment, you know, businesses do this from time to time. But but if we're about to enter an inflationary environment, businesses that have the capacity on their balance sheets to take on that really long term debt, which means that as as their revenues um, grow over time and and faster than what would be expected because of that inflationary environment, if they can obviously pass on those price increases um, to their end customers, then you're locking in debt today that you will pay off with heavily inflated revenues into the future. Um, so I, I think that's something you'll see a lot of these larger businesses do. Um, right. Where Claude and I play, it's a bit more difficult. Debt's, debt's yep. tough for them. You have operating businesses that can't really handle it. So that's why I've sort of crept up a bit and I've thought, okay, let's find a business that, that as you sort of said, let, let's try and remain positive and, and look for yep. a business that can withstand what we what we may see over the next few years. And I really liked what I saw from from CSL and, and what they did with their balance sheet. It was, it was a couple mm. of weeks ago and I think, I think it's something you'll see a, a bunch of yeah. other blue chips do as well. Really good point. Claude, what about you? What's a sunny stock? Oh, are you on mute? Oh, you're muted. oh, there you go. We got you. Oh. No, it's still going here. Um, was that from our end or your end, Claude? I think you should be oh, able to Oh, there we go. Me. You're good. Yep. Have, have you got me now? Clear. Yes. Yep. All right, great, great to be here. Um, yeah, so I mine's a similar theme to Luke um, in its healthcare situation. So I guess, oh. you know, even if there's volatile times, um, you can have demand for healthcare. Um, but Ramsey Healthcare is my idea, and it's actually been a bit of a, a solid one in my portfolio recently because it's a takeover arbitrage. So it's got a takeover offer at about um, $78, uh, sorry, $88, and its current share price is about $77. And before its takeover, um, became in play, its share price was down at around $68 or, or a bit below. So you can see there's some upside if the takeover goes through at $88 and so there's some downside if this takeover um, falls through and it goes down. And I won't go on about the takeover situation because I actually talked about that on the call not so long ago. But um, it's not really too co- correlated with what's actually happening in the market unless I guess the takeover price goes down a little bit. And then my also my thinking is if it does fall through, I still have a high quality healthcare business um, that, like Luke was saying, has the ability to take on debt. And, you know, mm. I think healthcare is something that is reasonable to own in an inflationary environment. Yep, too right. All right, two great suggestions to kick us off. Let's take a look at the uh, uh, 10 stocks that you want us to have a look at. First up for uh, this half hour, we're going to be covering RPM Global, uh, Beston Global f- um, Global Food, uh, Symbio, Ansarada and Delta Drone. Uh, Claude, let's kick off with you. Lenny wants a view on RPM Global, the uh, uh, the technology business, SaaS business, um, basically uh, directed at the mining industry, is it? Yeah, that's right. So this is one I've followed for very many years and actually do own some shares, not a very big holding. Uh, for me, I actually invo- avoided it for quite a while because it had um, some segments that I didn't really love, but it's sort of, it's actually um, gradually been selling off some of the lower quality parts of its business and more leaning into its um, role as a software provider and um, in particular transitioning from more a license and perpetual uh, license kind of based model to a software as a service uh, model. So that's really the story at the moment. Um, Look, one reason to like that in the current environment is because obviously with inflation, uh, those commodity prices are pretty strong, which means that um, RPM Global's um, client base, they do have plenty of money to spend if they want to. Now, on the flip side, 
if they're so busy producing and making hay while the sun shines, perhaps they'll put off some of the bigger software projects. But generally speaking, you know, it's good to know that their clients are sort of in a strongish position. And, um, you know, I think then I would like to take some of the harsher view, not not to be like, you know, too positive on a stock I own. I think on the harsh view of it, um, if you look at pure subscription revenue in the last half, it was only 11.5 million. Half their revenue is services that really are not that attractive business, in my opinion. It's cyclical. Right. I, I would hardly value it. So the actual purest, harshest way to look at it is to look at that um, retrospective half-year subscription revenue, in which case it's trading on about 17 times the run weight from the last half. Now, the reason why that might be palatable, even in this environment where growth stocks are getting sold off, is basically because there's a fair bit of uplift um, of that number uh, built in as the company transitions their perpetual license plus maintenance revenue contracts over to subscription revenue. So we should have quite a few years of growth of that subscription revenue number, which is why we can be fairly certain that that multiple will come down. And in reflecting on, the, I guess, that potential, the company itself is putting its money where its mouth is and it's just announced a buyback, you know, positing mm -hmm. that they might spend around $18 million buying back shares. You know, there's good insider ownership. Um, clearly, these guys, I've followed this since it was 70, uh, 40 cents, rather. I recommended it years ago. And um, I followed it, and they've really just done what they said they were going to do. So I think that they're getting more and more respect in the market for that. So this definitely means it's one for your watch list. I think, you know, it probably has a bumpy ride, um, as will all the growth stocks until we go into another bull market. But um, definitely one that I'd like to emerge having a decent holding in and on the other side. Okay, so not buying now. If you're in it, still hold it. And uh, put I would, it on your I would actually, I would actually call it a buy now, but only for some. Only like you got to be prepared for the fact that uh, you might buy a little bit now. It might go down a little bit more. You might buy a little bit more then, like sort of averaging in style right, so buying now. Definitely not all in. Okay, all right, Lou. Um, yeah, Claude obviously knows it very well. It's one that I've followed for a long time as as well. And um, I think his last point is spot on. That They've sort of got to where they wanted to go, but it's been a bit of a bumpier ride. And that's something that, you know, it's quite common in micro caps to, to look back on a five, 10 year journey and see the business got to sort of where you hoped, but, but not in the smooth line that you, you may have planned at the start. Um, they've done a very good job of fleshing out their product suite is what I noticed when I, I had a, a quick look yesterday. Um, and I think that will really drive, uh, to Claude's point, They've got this backlog of work that will see growth just steadily come on to that, that recurring revenue base. Um, I think they've got the ability to expand within their customers as well as they tack on new modules. Um, they make small bolt-on acquisitions quite frequently and flagged a, a few more of them uh, potentially in the pipeline. Um, Claude's right. A big chunk of their revenue is sort of that consulting-style revenue. It's not as, um, you know, you wouldn't value it as highly as that steady subscription. But nonetheless, for, for their mining customers, they are in a, in, a, in a good point of their cycle where I expect that consulting revenue will do quite well. And they're trying to pivot that to an ESG focus, which, again, you read any annual report from these mining companies, it's become a, becoming a bigger and bigger focus for them. And you can see the use of external consultants in that ESG space doing quite well, which is where they're trying to put themselves. Um, the only the other this isn't a negative it's just a, a bit of a um, watch this space is the preferred updating metric is total contract value um and that's something that can actually be inflated by just extending the length of your contracts mm. with clients, which is something they've been able to do. So if you have a look, they're quite explicit about it. They've they've slowly managed to migrate most of their clients from three to five-year contracts to five-year plus. That's ultimately a positive. But when you report a TCV, um, you know, you're just getting that, that lump sum value come in. Um, you know, I think 
comparing it to their how it how it grows with their annual recurring revenue. I'd actually love them to release an average revenue per user number. Right. I think that'd actually okay. be very helpful for people. But I agree with Claude. I you know I come back to the end. It looks expensive just on that you know ARR multiple that <laughs> we probably shouldn't be using anymore. Um, but this is a business that is going through that transformation. And I think if you can take a, a two or three year view, which admittedly is very tough to do in this market, as Claude sort of highlighted, if you can stomach this stock being volatile over the next 12, 18 months, but but can take that two, three year view, you can start buying this stock today. I think it looks quite interesting at that sort of sub 400 mil market cap. Okay. All right. Because as, as you said, Luke, um, a lot of companies in the early stage do hit a lot of unexpected hurdles Yours, uh, and investors suffer as a result of that. Um, maybe they'd come out the other side and there's some stability going forward and that changes the dynamic. Exactly. And even from a, an accounting point of view, the transition from um, perpetual license to SaaS, yeah. it really muddies up financial accounts. Yeah. And that's what, you know, those those longer term investors can, can stomach through that. Um, and as Claude pointed out, you've got a, okay. you know, a very aligned management team there to, to, to guide you through it, which is, okay. which is good. I'll put you both down as a nibble. Uh, Claude, um, Ben wants a view on Beston Global Food. Now, I don't think this has ever come up on the call uh, before. Ben says, I was after uh, it has some good industry sector tailwinds and seems to have a solid pathway to growth and sort of anything with food in it or agriculture at the moment seems to be hot on the market. So I didn't realise it's the largest company in the Australian dairy industry outside of the multinationals and the seventh overall largest in Australia makes uh, um, bigger than the cheese market, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So mozzarella is a big a big product for them. And I think also they're big in your home state of South Australia as well. They yep. buy a lot of the milk there. Um, so actually, this is a fairly easy one. Um, basically, I would say really definitely no to this. Um, just because uh, in the last half, for example, their gross margin was just 6.4%. Now, that is wildly low. That makes this a super high-risk company. Uh, it could really go wrong. Um, if something goes wrong, it, it can its results can get dramatically worse. It's very hard for it to make money. It doesn't make money. It loses money. Um, you know, it grew its revenue by uh, product sales by 30% half, like, versus the prior corresponding period. But it's a loss before income tax only um, reduced by 5%. That just shows the really difficult economics of this business. That's the one-year graph, but look at that five-year graph and you get a better of a picture of how, you know, this is probably a place where your money goes to die. There might be times when it goes up, but both basically, uh, this is a very tough business. Uh, that's like swimming against the river. So I definitely would avoid it. Mm. Luke? Yeah, the first thing that came to mind was the difficulty of trying to invest in themes. As, as Ben points out, this is one that should have good industry sector tailwinds. And I know Nathan comes on the call, Koshi, talking yep. about food as a, as a theme. And it's, it's it's true. You look at the the raw commodities for these food producers and, and, and they're doing well in this current environment. Um, but this is the second sort of brand um, play that comes to mind, the other one being Maggie Beer Holdings recently downgraded as well. Um, and it goes to highlight the difficulty of you've got a theme that's worth but, but who's actually accruing that value in, in, in the chain? And um, it's tough mm. for these brand guys because you've got your input prices going up. Um, 
you know, be that raw milk or, or, or whatever goes into your products. And then on the back end, you've got distribution in Australia just so heavily controlled by Coles and Woolies that, that even if you do get price increases on your supply end, it's very difficult for you to pass it on um, to, to, to your customers because they are your customers. Your customers aren't the uh, end people buying these products off the shelf. Your customers are Coles and Woolies and they have the power in the relationship. Right. Um they, I looked at their latest investor, Prezzo. They were talking about a 10-year capex cycle from where this business has come from. That's now largely behind them. They are sort of talking about harvesting the, the free cash that will now come out of this business. Even if I look to FY23, they were sort of guiding for about 4 mil free cash flow. The market cap's 70, so I'm not seeing you know huge amounts of cash being spit out of this asset that's now being built. Um, it probably requires some some you know um, either decreased um, costs at the front end or, or passed on higher price at the back end. I wouldn't sit here and try to bank on that. So I actually take the same view as Claude. I think you can sell and, and move on from this if you want that theme thematic, that food theme thematic, Ben. Um, you know, I'd go and look at the at the actual raw producers. I think are benefiting more than these brand guys stuck in the middle. Okay, so uh, you'd go more uh, for the select harvest or elders, which has got a bit of everything. Yeah, even something like a grain corp. I know they're not there doing the wheat themselves, but they're much more, you know, tied to that actual production rather than trying to value add in between. Yeah. Uh, What do I see? Um, Wheat prices. Um, Yesterday, uh, a drought in Argentina now, um, which is affecting... um, global supplies as well. That wheat price at record highs because of Ukraine, but uh, mm. um, Australian wheat producers and grain producers are absolutely making hay at the moment, so to speak. Mm. Um, Luke, Stephen wants a view on Symbio. Uh, Stephen's directed uh, this to both of you two, saying, love Claude and Luke's view on it. Uh, stock has been beaten down relatively hard recently, according to Stephen. They're not alone, Steve. Uh, but the fundamentals or the story don't seem to have changed. It appears to be a growing tech company with a large addressable market runway with a very reasonable multiple. It's a tech company that's in telephony services, isn't it? calling, messaging, phone numbers and the like. Yeah, yeah, it's the old MyNet phone. Um, you know, so it's been around for, for many, many yep. years. Um, you've still got the two founders uh, there within the business. Um, Renee Sugo is, is obviously the, the the more public one being the CEO. Um, so there's a lot of things to like about this business. I mean, it's just not in the right space right now. It's it's definitely in that sort of higher growth tech space. Um, but they're also going through a bit of a um, CapEx expansion cycle as well. So you're seeing those profits, despite remaining profitable and, and you know, essentially being flat on, on the last couple of years, you haven't seen that profit growth come through that, that you would like to see from a business like this because they're trying to grow so heavily into Southeast Asia. Now, it's being a new market, it's difficult to sort of get your head around it. And I think to invest in this stock today requires a, a bit of a leap of faith with management. If you read their presentations, they talk about the Southeast Asian opportunity and they effectively say that what they want to do over there, there's no comparable peers. And so they have the ability mm. to really get their first carve out a market for themselves. And obviously when you're a, you know, be it monopoly or a niche provider, earn some really healthy margins while you do that. Um, this is a management team. I actually give them the benefit of the doubt. Like I said, it's it's, it's tough right now. And it, you know, we just talked about RPM Global before. Um, I think it's one where if you if you view this business on a two or three year time frame, I, I think you could start to look at it today. Um, but bear in mind, uh, you know, that next 12, 18 months could could still remain very volatile, um, particularly because you probably won't see it come through in the numbers yet. I, I expect the reported numbers to remain a little bit muted given that heavy investment into Southeast Asia. 
but nonetheless, you know, high margin business, that core Aussie business, and 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 um, you know, got some some US customers as well, um, doing very well. Um, they're growing their margins strongly. I'd like to see the revenue growth a bit stronger, but again, it probably talks to how mature that the business is in some of those segments. Um, but yeah, if I think if you can take that sort of two or three year view back management on that Southeast Asian experience, it's one I think you can look at today. Okay, uh, Claude. Yeah, so this is actually another one that I own, although it's not a particularly large holding for me. And actually, uh, Koshi, we were talking about this uh, actually when the call just started up in 2020. It was one of the few companies I had the, had the guts to buy in March 2020 just because right. I did trust that it would emerge the other side and it would emerge stronger. So uh, that was good. It, it then just got run up to about $7 and um, now it's come down just in line with the, with the growth stocks. And I have it has just entered the buy zone again for me. So I have actually... Start. So I um, did reduce my holding um, in the in the heady days of uh, October 2021, and then um, now I actually have started adding to it just very cautiously. No. Cautiously again, with with these tech stocks now, right now with high inflation and higher interest rates, we are in a bear market for these tech tech stocks. So my perspective is I don't go like, oh, oh this has hit my valuation. I'm going to go all in and just buy as much as I want. I'm almost working on the assumption that I'll start buying too early and it'll keep going down and I'll buy a little more and I'll buy a little more. Um, so I just buy very slowly, but it has actually entered that buy zone for me. I have started buying mm. it again. Now, there's a few want, There's a few things I just want to tell people so that they don't get caught out. Like, first of all, um, these guys did divest one of their, um, I guess, slower growing but still very profitable businesses. So if you look at their historical PE ratio on um, Comsec, that's actually misleading from where they are today. Um, they're by analyst estimates closer to around, I guess, 29 to 30 times earnings for FY 2022. So they're still kind of priced as a growth stock. Um, they're not that cheap. That's why I would say, you know, it could still go lower. Now, you might also look at the cash flow and say, oh, the cash flow, um, net, um, basically, we had a very strong first half. The company has forecast that some of that will unwind in the second half. So we won't see such good cash flow. Um, but, you know, these guys have over $50 million cash on the balance sheet. What's more, in their half-year report, they did flag that they were looking at maybe some smaller acquisitions to try to accelerate their expansion into Malaysia, I think it was. So um, that we haven't seen any such acquisitions, but if we do, that could be like a positive and a good sign. The number one thing I'm looking for is um, they said they're targeting 100,000 numbers um, uh, in Singapore by June 2022. So I hope they reach that. These guys do have... They try lots of different things. Over the 10 years or more that I've followed the company, they'll try lots of things. They do different acquisitions. They have different plans. Some of them work really well, and that's helped grow the business. Some of them don't always work. So just because they say that this is our target doesn't mean that they're going to succeed there. So I'm right. a little bit cautious, but I do like these guys okay. as smart people in the sector who, who I think will probably succeed long term. All right. Uh, do you think uh, and the guys behind Ansarada are uh, exactly the same, Claude? Uh, Kevin wants a view on that. Another tech business, cloud-based software business, but this time instead of telephony, um, they focus on legal and finance and financial organisations, accounting firms, corporate and financial advisors, financial institutions. Um, they, they do sort of work, workflow management type programs, yeah. don't they? Especially, especially of deals. So I think their biggest product is essentially, um, uh, what do they call it? Uh, it's basically like software that allows you to, um, it's like the deal room software is what they call right, it. Data room. So it allows- The data room stuff. 
Yeah, data room. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Luke. Um, yeah, I couldn't remember the name of it. I called it, but basically, um, that allows people to gather all of the information internally that they want to show to other people for um, a potential takeover or merger or whatever, and then control who sees what, because obviously they don't want to just like give send somebody millions of files. They want to have the ability of control what they're showing to people and just for their own sake. Um, and so that they're not, you know, breaching privacy of their customers or anything like that. So mm. um, it, I have owned this in the past and I was a big fan of the stock when it was, um, you know, actually around this price and then lower last year. But that was partly because the way I was seeing it was there was going to be a bit of a rebound out of COVID or like a lot more deals going through as, as things were heating back up. And we did see that. Um, and basically the company did improve its performance. Uh, however, Longer term, I've kind of gone a little bit um, cold on this one just because even though I don't think it's too expensive, like in the last nine months, it made operating cash flow of $9 million. So that's the good side. It shows that cash generative ability. The, the bad side of it is they do spend a fair bit of that on development still. So it's not really quite mature enough to be like, I guess, doing profits and dividends and all that kind of thing. And I think that's probably where I'd like to join this story because the problem with their uh, software versus other software as a service you might really like is because once the deal is over, you stop needing that software. It's really that simple. So they're trying to um, sell subscriptions to this. And that works sometimes through, say, like a company that is a, a consultant company that consults on deals. You know, they're going to keep needing the software. But basically, there's just that inbuilt churn. And you see that with the natural um, ebb and flow of their uh, paying subscribers. Like in the last quarter, um, I think they dropped very slightly from about 2,805 to 2,792 paying subscribers. And that up and down, it's just going to be part of their business, but that makes it a little bit less lower quality. So I would need to see it probably a fair bit cheaper than it is today, closer to a dollar to be interested in. It's just Mm. not the highest quality growth stock, basically. Uh, No fault of their own. All right. The weirdest thing, you're not going to believe this. Uh, I just got an EDM uh, into my um, email inbox from Ansarada. Try to try try to sell me uh, their work uh, work stream in spreadsheets um, systems, and I also get a free data room and uh, and a workflow spreadsheet as well. Jeez, they know that, you're a business. Man. Oh my god! I can't believe that. Just come anyhow. That is spooky. <laughs> I'm going to have to turn my microphone off, Luke. Uh, that could be difficult. A lot of people would be suggesting I do that anyhow, both on Ausbiz and my uh, my laptop. Um, what do you think of Ansarada? Yeah, um, Claude, Claude summarised it very well. I mean, the, the biggest problem I see with this business is exactly what he outlined. It's, it's not one that's pivoted to that pure subscription revenue. So you get natural lumpiness in the results. Now, you go back and have a look over a two, three-year time frame, um, that, you know, that lumpiness has generally been in the right direction. The business, I think, is, is growing strongly, as, as Claude points out, um, generates pretty decent cash. I, even if you um, sort of subtract for the development spend, Claude, it's, you know, I sort of still got about four mil free cash flow, which for the for this business, I think is pretty solid. The, the question of how sustainable that is, I think is, is the right one. Um, it's been sold off very heavily the last few days. Um, you know, it was, it was two bucks, not, not that long ago. And I think it goes to show for the micro caps where Claude and I play, um, these these stocks can move very quickly. So so as Claude points out, if this is a business that looks interesting, maybe around a dollar dollar ten, whatever sort of you know price you, you want to have a look, it can get there very quick. So you got to you got to really stay on your toes with businesses like this and, and stay on top of them. 
Um, the only thing I saw shorter term as to as to why that may be is they came out and, and reclassified their average revenue per account, um, effectively mm. like downgraded it. Now that's not a right. that's not a um, audited metric. So they they clarified it had no change to any of the financials they've reported to to the market. Um, but one of the metrics they provide themselves in their presentations is their average revenue per account, and they've been overstating that in their presentations now. I suspect that there was actually not a great deal of explanation and, and the market tends to fill that information void with negativity, which may be what's happening here. I suspect it's probably not too untoward and it may be because they have, as Claude points out, you have this very fluctuating base of accounts um, around the, the use of the product and they also run a freemium model as well. So it could be a few things around that, but it, 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 okay. it may be worth management explaining a bit better. Um, I, to be honest, look, this is one that has been on my radar. I thought it got way too ahead of itself above $2. Um, I agree with Claude. It's now getting to a point where it's it's starting to look interesting again. Um, you know, maybe maybe a little bit touch lower. Um, but, you know, 20 mil cash in the bank as well, cash flow positive. There's no risk here that this business has to come and raise capital. That's a big positive in this environment. Yep. The software looks pretty decent. I went and looked at some reviews, very well-reviewed software. Um, a few peers, mind you, like most software players, you're always competing, um, but but it seemed like the product is, stands up pretty well. Um, look, this is one, I think, put it on your watch list. If you're there, definitely yep. hold it. Don't don't sell okay. this business on a panic of, of what's happened the last few weeks. Um, definitely hold it. The fourth quarter is generally their strongest coming into financial year, so could could even see a nice fourth quarter report and, and, and a decent right. bounce on this one as well. Okay. Hold uh, for that on Ansaratus. Um Luke, uh, Darcy wants a view on Delta Drone, the uh, big drone-based um, data service and technology, mainly focusing on mining, agriculture and engineering. They're into aerial surveying and map- mapping with the drone, security and surveillance, uh, blast monitoring and the like. What do you think of, uh, of Delta Drone? Well, I wouldn't label them as big, Koshi. It's an eight mil no, market small. cap on this yeah, one. It's yeah. it's a it's a tiny thing. Um, now, when I first saw the list, it's not one I'd looked at, and, and my first thought was every now and then in micro caps we get a theme, you know, be it yeah. cannabis, lithium, whatever it is, and and drones were a theme, you know, a couple of years ago. And inevitably what happens is, you know, the, the, the dodgy ones wash out and, and a couple are left standing and you have a, you have some half-decent businesses. Now, Delta looks like it could be fitting into that category. Eight mil market cap, um, four mil cash in the bank after they spun off one of their segments just to focus purely on the, the aerial imagery of drones. I think they've carved out a decent little niche for themselves in, in the mining industry, um, you know, flying over these mine sites and, and, and capturing, um, you know, the, the, the pits and the, and the stockpiles and things like that to give their customers as some some um, analysis around that sort of stuff. Essentially, cash flow break even. The last quarter, I think there was about a hundred thousand dollars cash right. burn. Um, but but revenue is growing quickly. They won another contract with Red Five. So you know these are these are uh, decent yeah. sized um, mining contractors. They're winning. Um, I, I look. I only like I said. I hadn't looked at it before. I only came to it for the program. Um, I would hold it if you're there. I, I definitely saw nothing to suggest there's anything wrong with this business. Um, for me, I, you know, I'll chuck it on my watch list and, and keep an eye on it and see whether that trajectory can continue because you know at a four million enterprise value it doesn't take much to go right to do well on something like this um admittedly in this environment you'll be very volatile on on, especially on liquidity but look the business seems to be going the right way and you're not paying a great deal for it so it looks it looks interesting to me claude yeah i i definitely um i think that luke hit all the key points then so i won't go on too much about it i guess i'll just add that 
Um, this is one that I would probably sell into any strength, basically. Uh, a company as small as this, like a little bit of good news, can definitely make the share price go up a fair bit, like 20%, 50%, who knows? Um, just a little bit of excitement. This one's very under the radar right now. So perhaps if you've got the psychology for it, then indeed you could hold it, just keeping in mind it could also go, like, it's just got, it's so little it could just die. Um, but it could also go up a lot on some good news. But that would be when I would be selling it, basically, because... Longer term, I'm not sure that, you know, this will be actually a massively profitable business. It doesn't seem like an obvious candidate to be listed. It doesn't seem like something that has huge competitive moats. It does seem something that has powerful, much bigger um, customers who could basically insource what they do if they wanted. They can definitely bargain them on price. They can definitely go and switch okay. to, a, you know, encourage a competitor. So it's not. it doesn't pass the quality filters for me. It's not one that I would own because there's just not enough okay. long-term upside. All right. But, you've, you know, what Luke said is fairly accurate. You've given me some fodder, Claude, because coming up on the small caps segment in about 45 minutes, we've got the chief executive of, uh, of Delta Drone coming on. So I'll ask him uh, about most. What's the competitive advantage? Yeah, yeah. what's the competitive advantage? Um, how are you going to take that next leap up? Um, and and the liquidity issue as well. So excellent. I'll put that. I'll be to interested the to find out what he yeah. says. Yeah, I'll put that to the chief executive coming up. Uh, that's on small caps. Following the call, um, let's just recap the first five stocks plus our our sunny stocks for uh, a depressing market at the moment. Um, stocks that Luke and Claude like. Um, uh, Luke like CSL. Claude Ramsey Health uh, for RPM Global. Um, both Luke and um, and Claude are saying uh, have a nibble um, at it. Don't go all in, but it's lo- looking fairly attractive at these levels. Uh, best in food, a no. Um, Symbio, a um, a yes for long term investors uh, because they they seem to be out of sort of that hurdle period uh, and developing quite nicely. Uh, Ansarada, a hold from Luke, a no from Claude and Delta Drones, um, a hold if you're in it from both and Luke has it on his his watch list as well. Here on the call, we've been uh, tracking our own high conviction fantasy portfolio, which is picked by our investment committee. The latest episode of the committee meeting is live to watch at osbiz.com. Let's check how the portfolio is going. At the recent meeting, the monthly meeting, they added Wes Farmers, Elders and ResMed. Um, we're shifting some of the original uh, accumulations uh, or allocations rather. And since the 1st of March, uh, the fund is down 3.8%. Keep sending in all your requests, of course, to the call because that is the first filter before it gets to the investment committee. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. Uh, this half hour and Tiris, we're going to take a look at Nanosonics, MSL Solutions, Redbubble and Janison Education. Um, Claude uh, Shambu wants a view on Antiris Technologies. 
um, saying it's been covered on uh, the program and put on uh, watch list quite a few months back. Uh, the recent AGM highlighted some pretty good progress, and since then the share price is performing well. He'd like the view of the experts. Uh, it's a healthcare company uh, specialising in design and production of heart valves and uh, tissue products. Yeah, I guess the the, the biggest uh, value add I can say on, on this company, which I think years ago when I started following it was called Allied Health and, and then it was Admetus, um, is that uh, I, it's just to me that it's the ultimate gunner company. And and every time, you know, there's there's new waves every couple of years of it changes its name and um, it's, just, you know, essentially the same story, but it changes its name and then a whole new wave of shareholders hear about the story and it's so exciting and, and all of this sort of stuff. This is like the ultimate um, gunner company. And look, you know, way back in 2018, there were plenty of shareholders that, that believed that it, that it was done raising capital. And, and I don't know if we can get the share price chart dating back from when it had its previous names, if we can get like a, a longer one there. But, you know, it's been it's massively down on on where it was if you look at like a 10 year chart of it, basically. Um, but, uh, you know, ultimately, like you, I just. Uh, from the Rich Life Twitter tweeted a video of, of the CEO um, talking in 2018. And you can see why lo- lots of people were positive that they were done capital raising, you know, years ago now. But but they yep. still raise capital. They still lose money. Um, this is, yeah, just it's been so many 10 years I've been watching this say, you know, it's exciting and stuff like that. So I, I would just say to uh, anybody interested in this one, you know, go back and see what they were saying in 2018. Go back and see what they're saying on 2013 and yeah, I'd avoid okay. this. There's, I wouldn't buy shares in yeah, it. Yeah, no, you look, you look at the share price, it's had a pretty decent run-up recently. Is this one of those stocks that you sell into the rally if you're in it? I mean, definitely definitely want to sell this stock and if you get away from this stock without losing money then you've done well and and you're definitely okay. you know i was speaking to a friend of mine who who bought into this a few years ago and when it was um admetus health you know and he was he he was a believer in the story then and you know he was quite humble and saying to me you know oh, i was a real lesson to me i bought into the narrative that you know the the, mm. the dollars never came in he started tweeting his questions at the ceo and just got blocked and then he was just like oh damn you know okay. i've learned my lesson on this one so um okay. yeah i i just Ooh. avoid it new name new new batch of shareholders buying in yeah i suspect it ends the same way oh. gee uh luke are you as negative yeah <laughs> it's always <laughs> it's always interesting doing these with claude because we, we share a similar background of being around these small caps for you know the better part of a decade and you see them come and go and at first i thought i didn't know this business and then claude was right i, I realized it was the old admetics <laughs> that had been around for a long time um and and koshi there's a pretty simple like rule of thumb you can do for a lot of these small cap businesses that have been plugging away for a while is just flick open the balance sheet and, and look at the accumulated losses. And if you see a very large number there, it's probably a good sign the business, you know, is, is, is not going to make it. This business has $157 million in accumulated losses. Like that is, wow. they've been, as Claude said, they've been plugging away at this for a long, long time, raising a lot of capital to do it. And it goes through these phases where every year or two people get excited for whatever reason i had i did have a look um you know they've got a new um heart valve product which again it it could be something but as claude pointed out there's been two or three of these over the years where it could be something it could be something um the other the other red flag i saw i went and looked at the agm prezzo as um as shampoo pointed out 
um, there was a lot of references to the share price in there to the point where the successes of the business was was around the share price more than the actual you right. know profit and loss itself and there's okay. a good reason for that so i would i would definitely at the very least if you've been in this for a while take out your cost base i know that's a, a very simple way to think about these things but take out your cost base if you want to free carry the rest and, and have a bit of a punt go go for that but as claude says I, I agree with claude's line if you come out of this without losing money i think you've done well okay uh brad wants a view luke on uh, nanosonics of course best known for its trophon technology which uh um, and which disinfects um, uh, ultrasound probes and sort of surgical gear it disinfects, does mm. it? Yeah, yeah. You put the, 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 the probes into the disinfectant. It's like an ultra you know, fine mist that gets into yep. areas where even um, wipes can't reach. Um, I remember looking at Nanosonics years ago, Koshi, and um, they're, they're very transparent actually about their installed base and the addressable markets. And they had a very strong position in the US. I think it was 35% of, of their addressable market in the US was already penetrated. And so you could run some pretty you know, easy calculations around, well, what does this business look like when it gets to 50, 60, 70% US penetration? And I just couldn't make the numbers work. This, this is probably going back about two or three years ago. Um, and, and, I, and I reached the conclusion that this business was pricing in blue sky from either new products or acquisitions or geographies or whatever it may be. Um, and I just, I, I couldn't I couldn't bring myself to the valuation back then. I look at it today, it's getting back to some more interesting levels, but it's still not in a, in a situation where I think it's, you know, just look at that chart there. Despite that fall, I still don't think that you're, you're getting a, any decent margin of safety here. Um, the new the new headwind they're facing is they've lost GE as a, as a major distributor of their product, um, which means they have to do it themselves. Now, they will capture more value in that transaction, being the you know manufacturer distributor and, and service of, of these modules. But there's a it's a very capital hungry process to build out the infrastructure needed to service all of your customers across you know the entire US and then obviously the potentially the globe after that. Um, Despite that fall, I, I would actually stay away from this one still. I still think it's very expensive. Um, profits have gone backwards for three years. There's a, a you know there's an argument to suggest they're building a base that will be much more profitable in the future when they're able to harvest you know the full margin from that. Yeah. But that will be a long time away. They're still they've got a long path to flesh out this distribution network they want to do. So I would I would actually sit on the sidelines with this one for probably at least a year or two mm. um, until you really got some confirmation around that business model. Yeah, Claude, because one of the issues during COVID, they were saying because hospitals weren't doing as uh, many operations, that that affected them because a big revenue stream, you know, I suppose like uh, fax machines, was the uh, ongoing sale of the ingredients for the machine that did the disinfectant. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, I mean, disclosure, actually, I own shares in this. I have for many years. You know, initially, um, I, I bought it at lower prices, but actually did buy it at higher prices when I thought that they were going to bounce back um, out of, I guess, the COVID disruption. But unfortunately, this is one of those companies that, um, you know, they've never really fully bounced back off the COVID disruption because it affects them in two ways. Like, first of all, um, initially in the in the height of COVID, there were just fewer ultrasound procedures and, and, the, and mm-hmm. they're devices used to clean the ultrasound after the procedure so that you see a drop there and then the second thing is that and which they're still saying is an ongoing issue is that they're like having trouble getting access into hospitals to sell into it 
And that's really where the, uh, for me, I have a slightly different take on it than Luke. So they've got a long history of gradually um, shifting GE. So I think GE is still helping them sell in Europe. They have a long history of taking more and more of the sales from GE to themselves to try and capture that higher margin, which is, I think, what's happening here. Um, and so I don't see that as um, a bad thing at all, although it does come with extra costs in the short term. But the uh, the different the thing that I do think is affecting the share price badly is that these guys like their consumables revenue in the most recent half was actually down a little bit half on half, which you do not want to see that basically, because um, that consumable revenue is more supposed to be like more a recurring revenue that always grows as the number of machines that they're selling grows. So I think that's a bit of a problem there, and you don't like to see that as a shareholder at all, and that caused me to lower my valuation hence. Why I'm just I haven't bought more since it's been at around three dollars something because I'm just waiting to see. I want to see those consumable revenues grow strongly. And then the second thing you've got is, you know, I don't know the point when it's going to get easier for them to get access to hospitals. Um, right now, you've just had a big additional demand on hospitals, even though people aren't dying of COVID now thanks to vaccines, or at least not as many people are dying. You still have heaps of people going to hospitals. They're going to hospitals during COVID. When I was in hospital the other day, like every third person in the queue was there for like post-COVID, you know, this yeah. weird thing happened. And so I don't know when the hospitals are going to have the extra um, bandwidth to like take on, you know, these salespeople and, and, and do it. So I don't know when that's bump bouncing back. So I see yeah. that as a little bit problematic for the growth side of things. Having said that, it's, it's a strong company. I know it's not going to die. Um, so I'm happy to just hold on with the shares I've got. But unfortunately, even though I suspect it will actually be a much higher share price in the future, I don't have the confidence on the current data that, to say buy. Okay, but you'd hold it if you're, you're in it. Okay. I, I am indeed holding it. But, you yep. know, just because I'm doing that, it could be uh, some sort of cognitive dissonance I have, you know, because I've already, <laughs> okay. you yep. know, liked yeah, the yeah. stock for so long. Yeah. All right, uh, Claude, uh, Kareem wants a view on MSL Solutions, another tech company, uh, this time in the sport, leisure and hospitality sectors. They say they've got 1,220 customers worldwide. Uh, they've got offices in Australia, UK and, and Denmark. What do you think of MSL? Well, I was actually... Uh, actually briefly held shares in MSL Solutions because of this sort of turnaround theory. It was an absolute terrible business that really disappointed after IPO. The share price fell really badly. They got new management. New management have definitely improved things. So I was sort of there for this turnaround thesis, but I sold after the um, half-year results, basically. And I think that's been borne out because, you know, essentially um, they, they've they recently put out a profit guidance showing that the second half result will be weaker than uh, the EBITDA result, not not even proper profit, but the EBITDA result will be weaker than the first half. And not only that, um, but if you compare it to the first half last year, most if not all of the growth is coming from acquisition. So what you can say from the numbers that they have given, which are hardly the best quality numbers, is that basically I don't think that there's any real case that this company is growing organically and you really need to see organic growth in a software company um to order to justify some sort of growth multiple based on revenue or even a bitter now as far as we know you know this company is not actually turning a real profit and i suspect if they were they would have said that they were going to be profitable i guess we'll see the results but as as a loss making company software company with a grab bag of different softwares it has no real category winner I don't see it like it needs to be growing and it's not growing organically. Yep. So it would be definitely a sell for me. 
Uh, Luke? Yeah, so Claude and I flipped. I, I said sell on Nanosonics when he owns it. I, I own a little bit of this stock, um, very similar to Claude. You know, knowing the history of where it's come from, I thought management did an admirable job turning it around. Um, and now you go through a bit of a tricky phase because the turnaround, you know, in inverted commas is the easy part. You, know, you, you, you strip the costs out and you get the business to a sustainable level. To now go back to growth for, for these micro caps usually means, you know, that your profits usually go backwards and could potentially slip to a loss. So I, I think the business is still cash generative, but but at, at a statutory reporting, Claude's right, they probably will report a loss. Um, look, I, I think it's one where there's a few moving parts to it and, and it's difficult to sort of make judgments on the numbers they've provided. And maybe that's an issue for them, but it was more of a general update the other day. Um, because there's a few the, the the legacy businesses that this that this business had before the turnaround they are very average which I'm you know Claude was sort of alluding to and so the business had to come and acquire some businesses to sort of flesh out their product suite right. and, and what they wanted to do. Um, I still hold. I'm waiting for that full year report just to sort of get a bit more colour into those numbers Claude were alluding to. Um, the other potential positive they have, which this could well and truly be in the price already, but um, they they do um, a lot of work around stadiums. Um, and with the Brisbane winning the Olympics in, in 2032, there's there's renovations to all those stadiums there. And, um, you know, the Queensland government will have a preference for local suppliers. So being a Brisbane-based right. business, I think, I think there's okay. a, an expectation that they're front of line to win those when they come up. So I still hold. Um, it's, it's a hold for me. I haven't added to okay. it even on this pullback. It's a small position. I just need to see that four-year report before right. making a call. Uh, Luke, uh, our next stock, Tyler wants to be on Redbubble. I'll uh, deliberately go to you first so you're not coloured because I do follow Claude on Twitter. Um, uh, The Redbubble's the online marketplace for for artists and artisans to, to sell their products. What do you think of Redbubble? Yeah, I you know follow Claude and subscribe to Rich oh, Life. Okay. So I'm the same as you, Koshy. I think I think I know what the what the opinion will be. Um, I'm not I'm not massively positive on this business, but I'm, I probably won't be as negative, um, particularly where the valuation is today. I mean, 240 mil market cap, 140 mil on the bank. Some of that will unwind in the second half. They have a big first half, second half skew with um, with obviously Christmas and, and Black Friday, that sort of stuff falling in the first half. Even still, uh, yeah, it could be like 110 to 120 mil cash um, sitting in the bank. So you're not paying a great deal. The problem I have with this business and, and most of the other e-commerce names is they extrapolated those COVID trends into the future. Like you, you remember the articles of, yeah. you know, there were three years of e-commerce um, yeah. trajectory brought forward by COVID. Yeah. And so they all scaled up their businesses. As an example, you know, operating cash costs for this business was $36 million pre-COVID. It's $56 million today. Now, their costs that should be, um, you know, relatively stable. So this is this is well yeah. past your gross profit level or your even your um, marketing level. This is just your back office, you know, corporate costs. Yeah. Um and that's what I've seen across the whole e-commerce sector. They, they've become bloated businesses expecting the COVID growth to continue. When that hasn't happened, you're now a lot of them swinging into loss-making territories because you've you've sort of fleshed yeah. out your business for growth that hasn't come through. So my note on this is, is don't throw the baby out of the bathwater here. There There is a business. It's, it's about the value you pay. And, and for me, I need to see management 
sort of not engage in that race to the bottom that's currently happening and from the marketing side of things and pull back to being a sustainably profitable business, which they can be. I've no, this business has been before. I, I would need to see that first. Um, right. You know, so I'd, I'd sit on the sidelines until then, but but don't don't blanket, just ignore this business because it's there's okay. something there at the right price. So if you've ridden that down, would you hold it? Probably. Okay. <laughs> All right. Claude, we are running out of time, so... <laughs> Oh, okay, well, in that case, I'll just I'll I'll keep it punchy then. You know, as as you know, I've been negative in this business for a while, and and I guess, yeah. um, I will say, you know, obviously now when I was first publishing and saying that you know this is a joke, it was a three dollar forty share price. Now it's a ninety cents, so like yeah. it is not as much of a joke. But why it's still problematic is if you go ahead and Google fake Port Adelaide T-shirt, you know, one of your top results is going to be Red Bubble. And the T-shirts yep. there with the class, you know, there's one that's classic Port Adelaide logo, and you know that costs a lot less than the one on the Port store. So, um, yeah, that's the same with the Wallabies. That's the same with every single yep. anything you care about. So, yep. you know, if 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 we care about copyright or IP law or anything, um, you know, ultimately what happens to happen is the the profits that Redbubble, you know, is going to make in the future when you know. A, if Luke's right and they can make profits, which they can, but yep. when they do make profits, those profits need to go to paying off the copyright owners of all these items, in my opinion. So, yep. you know, that's the long-term future okay. for Redbubble, in my opinion. All right. Uh, well put and purely targeted to my club's hip pocket to uh, make me take notice. All right. Um, our final one, Claude, Emma wants, we'll need to be quick with this, guys. Um, Emma wants a view on Janison Education, another tech business, software as a, a service business in online learning and digital exam testing, um, that sort of area. Claude? Yeah, so Janison is actually a tech stock that I reckon is probably one of the ones that has been a little bit thrown out with the ba- with the bathwater. Now, unfortunately, these guys are still unprofitable. They made a net loss of about 1.7 million in the last half. Um, so they're not massively unprofitable. But the good thing about them is their platform revenue is up 28%. Their gross profits up 49%. Um, you know, mm. not all of their revenue is super high quality. They have grown through a combination of organic and, and acquisition over the years, but you know, I generally believe that these guys are organic growers. They're doing, um, you know, it's basically they're they're digitizing and making online the the testing um, kind of exam sort of yep. software. So I think yes. with, I think there's a long term tailwind there as well. So definitely, I don't own it at the moment. I may well in the future. It's actually on the top of my watch list. Okay, so on your watch list, Luke. Um, I agree with that. These these are the sort of software businesses you want to look at. You know, we've today spoken about RPM, um, Answerata, and Janison. Th- this niche software is where where people should be looking because these are the businesses where they'll be able to extract those healthy sort of software margins that we expect into the future um, when you dominate your, your small little niches. Um, Claude's right. You know, a big ramp up in costs in the last half. Now, importantly, if you look at the outlook. They said that they want to keep their second half um, cost base flat on the first half. Um, I just sit on the sidelines, just wait for that. If they can do that and show that, you know, they can sort of have that sort of control over their cost base and still grow uh, second half on first half, that's when I become really interested in this business Mm. because um, I don't mind these software businesses front loading costs to bring growth on to a, a nice sticky platform. But when they are starting to mature and you want to see those margins and that that um, leverage start to come in, it's, it's important to see that. So, 
they're sort of flagging. They may be getting there in this 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 half now, and we'll see in the full year results. So same as Claude, I don't own it. Well and truly, you know, very right up there on my watch list. Particularly, it's a yeah, big big pullback just swept up in that tech space. Yeah. But um, these niche guys are the ones I think people should be should be focusing mm, on to, okay. to sift through Great the advice. carnage. All right, gents, uh, have a great weekend. Luke Winchester from Merriweather Capital and uh, Claude Walker from A Rich Life. Great to have you aboard. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Coach. That uh, was a great hour on the call again today. Um, in the second half, uh, we covered Antares Technology. Um, a no from both uh, Claude and Luke on that. Um, Nanosonics, a hold from Claude and no from Luke at this stage. Uh, MSL Solutions, um, a no, basically a sell from Claude, a hold from Luke. Uh, Redbubble, a hold from Luke, a no from Claude and Janison. Um, they've got it both on their watch list at the moment, just seeing if they can keep those costs under control when they report next. Um, that's all the time we have for the call for today and also this week. If you've got any stocks you'd like me to put to our expert panel, put them in an email, the call at ausbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at TV handle. You can check out all the stocks in the calls fantasy portfolio at ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.